Hey guys, it's me, Adam of the band Raven Eye, and you are listening to the Breeze Lair Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back. We haven't spoken in a while. I mean, I haven't spoken in a while. Welcome back to the Breeze Lair Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Breeze. Today, we're going to do a little interview. I haven't done one of these before, and I'm very, very scared, not going to lie. During the times of COVID, I just wanted to get into the brains of the creative people I know and find out what they're doing, what they're up to, how they're coping, and give you guys a little insight into the creative world. This interview is with the one and only Mr. Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott is an amazing, well-rounded musician, drummer, extraordinaire, plays for the band Kinking, I Built the Sky, and loads of other awesome projects. We talk about everything from Mapex drums. We're both Mapex artists, so we get off on that quite a lot. We talk about chocolate, different kinds of chocolate. We talk about how to not be a dick in the music industry. I know, I know. And loads of other stuff. It was great having him on for the first interview of many that I'm going to try and attempt to do over this lockdown period. So here we go. The Breeze Lair podcast with Andrew Scott. Three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> welcome to the Breeze Lair podcast. I don't know what episode we're on, but uh, welcome, everybody. And today we have Mr. Andrew Scott. Hi, Andrew. Hi, how's it going? Good, mate. Good. Yeah, well, I was, you were just saying before we uh, started hitting record that we haven't actually spoken, like, we, we've spoken over the interwebs and the social media side, but we haven't spoken... I chatted shit on comment sections of various videos. Exactly. Uh, but we haven't, <laughs> yeah, we haven't... We haven't spoken like this, but how's it going, man? How is everything? How how is? Oh, by the way, Andrew Scott is a brilliant drummer. He's in he is in the band King King. For those who do not know, uh, and yeah, just I, I've got some questions in front of me, but I feel like we should just free flow the intro bit, and uh, yeah, just go from there. But yeah, so you're not you're you're up north, aren't you? You're like Glasgow way, right? Or maybe further. Uh, Edinburgh. Even better. Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah, not like north as in Yorkshire. No, Beyond no, no. Beyond the wall. Beyond the wall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, Edinburgh is, for any Scottish people listening, I prefer Edinburgh to Glasgow. I mean, I'm sure that's the case for most people. But I really do. It's a beautiful place, and there's loads of cool architecture and amazing-looking buildings and shit, So, and very good venues, like... Ba- uh, yeah. Is Bannerman's in Edinburgh? Yeah. yeah. And the Mash House is the Mash House in Edinburgh. That's in Edinburgh. Yeah, it's a good one. Doing as well. well, two for two. Uh, the Motor Point? No, uh, no wait. Is there any like big arenas in Edinburgh? Like O2 arenas? No. 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 What's the one in Glasgow? There's like the O2 Academy. Oh yeah. Oh that yeah. That was the one that burned down. We've played there as well and there was that got infested by rats or something, right? I mean that's kinda standard <laughs> fair. <laughs> like yeah. Edinburgh and Glasgow. Like you've got some rats, you got some mice, everything's good. Okay, cool. So based up there, what uh what have you been doing in the COVID related times? I know obviously you've been recording a lot of stuff, uh but in terms of you know gigs and stuff, obviously our industry isn't doing amazingly well. Um, but yeah, what what's generally what have you been up to? What's what's your main kind of 
jam. The main goal, the main goal has been sanity retention. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of the, I guess I analogize it with a lot of like collateral productivity. Mm-hmm. So like all the videos, all the session shit, all of that stuff is kind of geared towards not losing my mind. <laughs> right. And through just kind of like half of it being like just coming to terms with the fact that like a good part of my job and also like raison d'etre no longer exists like coming to terms with that and then the other half has just been like sticking my nose to the grindstone in an attempt to make what was going to be you know fingers crossed a very good professional year to try and still make something out of it Mm -hmm. which um you know, like there have been some rough times. There have been like March through like June were really like kind of like, you know, grappling with like one's own like yeah. sense of value as a human. Like, what the fuck do I even do now that my job doesn't exist? Um, uh, and then kind of learning to like live with the whole. Yeah. Like, capital T, capital H. I think it's a weird one because obviously what people don't understand is most of the time we don't have day jobs. Well, I mean, I used to, but it's, you know, it, it takes the whole lockdown thing has taken like almost a part of your job, which is income and puts money, money on the table, food on your table. And then uh, you're part of yourself as well. You know, you, you, you do music and you, you do all this for your soul and your sanity as stupid as that sounds and it's really hard to explain to people because you don't you don't get into music for the money and if you do get into music for the money you're fucking up because there's so many better ways of making money yeah. that involve so much less shitting in a bag and carrying heavy stuff mm-hmm. like they're you know so no person who's out of work right now is like I mean yes not having money is hard or like not having that income and i was really lucky in that i was on the verge of finishing like my day job quote unquote my partner owns a bookshop in edinburgh um so luckily i was i've i was furloughed for you know a decent part of the year yeah but like it's the that that loss of like this thing that is so kind of attached and you know the the venn diagram of like yourself and music as identity is like is a pancake you know yeah um so kind of grappling with that like well what the fuck do i do now so that has just been funneled into like just yeah trying to be creative and make music and videos and my fortunately my studio is just a couple of minutes walk so even at like the height of lockdown in like march and april i was still able to get there right so how long yeah how long have you had that studio? Is it like a rehearsal? Like, what is it? Is it like a rehearsal room converted or like? It's a really, I don't know what the fuck else this space would be if not a music. Like, it's essentially, so it's Alshed Studios and it's it's run by myself and my very good friend, Jack Davenport, who yeah. does like most of like the back end stuff, like the, the mixing and and all the rest of it and he's a complete fucking whiz kid um and the fact that so we've had this place for about a year and a half and it's like it's like two rooms and a toilet yeah and it's underneath 
what used to be like an old rail bridge so okay. down in Leith you know the, the film Train Spotting yeah 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 um, so like there's this big old well it's not old anymore now it's a fucking Tesco's but there was a big big train station uh-huh. and so it was this rail bridge that used to go over the, the uh, over the road and we're in this weird space that's been between a shop downstairs yeah and what used to be a rail bridge so it's just kind of there are no windows there's only like one door like it could never be a shop it would never be legal like to live in like officially as like a place of residence um so yeah like as far as i know like pretty much most of the people in edinburgh who have something to do with like music recording production so many people have rented this space like i'm pretty sure there was an idle wild record recorded in cool. this space um and, uh, hang on, there's someone at my door. There's someone at the door. <laughs> uh, maybe we can cut this bit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not cutting anything out, dude. <laughs> Anita's oh, the nooks and crannies. It's Anita's chocolate drop. There's like oh, a box what? Of, there's a box of chocolate uh, that's just been delivered. Bring it here. Oh my god, you get a chocolate drop. Yeah, you know Tony's chocolate. Yes. Sorry, Anita. I'm gonna open this on the podcast. Yeah. Is it like really? Is it like really posh chocolate? It's oh yeah, really that's good, good shit. You know yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. Oh Living man. Large. Tony. Here you go. Give me your chocolate. That's bag. so much chocolate. <laughs> oh my god. Amazing. Um, but uh, yeah. So we yeah we've had it for about a year and a half. Um, and it's, it's been like, yeah, the kind of the backbone of, as I say, sanity retention this year. Um, yeah. Usually we do like remote session stuff, um, out of there. We've had a couple of bands come in and do stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's been instrumental in just remaining active this year. Pretty much, yeah. When, when so many people don't have, have access to, to, to recording stuff. So when bands come in or where someone comes in and goes, I need to record something, I don't have a drummer, or are you there to are you there to go, I can play I can play drums on your shit? Or is it like are you an assistant engineer there as well? Or is your drum is your drums just set up there permanently? Are you like the resident drummer? Do you know what I mean? Um, I kind of like all of the above, really. Mm. Um, like if they need if they need a guy. So what have we done? We've done we have done a bunch of sessions where I, where they've needed a drummer. I've just been like, you know, while I'm engineering the session, like, fuck it, I can play drums on your stuff too. Um, we've had a bunch of drummers come through to record, you know, as is very sort of in vogue these days. Mm. Um, like their guitarists and their singers and bassists and all the rest of it will go, will record in their home studio, um, in their flat or their house or whatever. Um, and we'll have that, then they're still send their drummers to us to get their drum tracks laid down. Um, and we've had a couple of drummers come in and do some playthrough stuff. And also, uh, you know, as you say, oops, shit, um, I'm gesticulating wildly. Um, yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, having like similar as yourself, uh, by the looks of things, having like a drum kit set up where, you know, we're, clients will send in stuff and I'll be able to turn stuff around generally pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, just as like with remote stuff. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, the situation here is the same. This is always set up, and it's all mic'd up, ready to go. Um, but obviously, having a, having a studio somewhere and your drum kit set up, and if it's owned by someone else, like yeah, it's always a weird one. If if you know, I know loads of people that just have their drum kit set up in the studio that they rehearse in or record in, and if anyone comes in like a band and they're like, oh, I need a drummer, then they'll just you know, it's it's a good way to kind of like grab work, which is cool. Um, but how? So, have you always lived in Edinburgh, or? You so moved? I lived in. I I did live in Glasgow when I studied. I studied music at Glasgow University. Um, I lived in Glasgow for like kind of three years, mm. off and on. Um, Glasgow. So I was brought up in St Andrews. Um, yeah, St Andrews, Glasgow. Then I moved to Edinburgh for about a year. And then I moved to Boston, where I studied at Berkeley for... I lived in Boston for about a year and a half. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and then came back, came straight back to Edinburgh. And then went back to St. Andrews, <laughs> and then came back to Edinburgh um, over my sort of 30 years of existence. But Edinburgh is like... Edinburgh is home, very much. Yeah, of course. What was um, the experience like in Boston? What was what was the music scene like that over there? Like, Boston was... was, was fucking wild pretty much i mean mm. like being at berkeley is such a beautifully artificial space in that you're just surrounded by incredible musicians because it's fucking berkeley you yeah. know like you can't swing a cat without and this is actually of like a couple of things that i learned there that i didn't expect to learn there one of the most important things i learned there was just to not be a cunt <laughs> like it's startling how easy you are to replace there. Wow. Because if you can't, if you're an asshole, no one's going to, you know, the, the, essentially the student sessions, the student run sessions, the, uh, the studios become available for student use at midnight. Right. So the sessions will begin at midnight and usually end at like four in the morning. So if you're not, if you're an asshole, if you're shit to be around for those four hours where nobody, like wants people to be, generally yeah. want to be in bed. Yeah. Like if you're an asshole, you're not going to get calls. You're not, mm -hmm. no one's going to hit you up to come and help out at this session. So you're not going to do anything. Sure. You know, or if, if you're unreliable or if you drop out or whatever, which, you know, these things have to happen as you know, because it's life. Um, but yeah, just kind of really hammering that point home that like, if you're an asshole, like no, nobody, you don't, nobody owes you a call. It's funny how that yeah. resonates, not just in Berkeley, but throughout the whole industry. And, and, and it's, it's a, yeah, exactly. Being, um, a, being a life, being a life lesson in general, but you know, the amount of stories I've heard that, it's weird because in England, I guess it's different in America in terms of like, when, when you go to America or where, wherever, it's like people are like, "How are you?" And you're like, "Why? Why are you so nice? Like, do you want? You always uh, British people always assume that you want they want something if you're too nice, but in the music industry, you know, uh, the amount of stories I've heard where it doesn't matter how much of a class player you are, it doesn't matter if you can play every style and you know you can kick ass on stage, if you ninety percent of the time, if you're in a rock band or whatever it is you're going to be on the road 10% of that is playing is sorry is yeah it's playing shows so it's like if that 90% of the time you're a dick to be around yeah people aren't going to hire you 
and yeah, the amount like, of the amount of stories I've heard is crazy. If you're chill to be with on a on a bus or a van tour or whatever, like you're already close you as know. you know, you're already close as fuck anyway. You're already like like this on a fucking bus, and I know how sensitive people are, you know, and people need space. And if you're an arsehole in that kind of instance, obviously there's there's some exceptions when you know back in the seventies and eighties there were divas and there were guys that you know you know Van Halen and shit, but nowadays there just isn't room for it because there's you know there's always someone like you said there's always someone to replace you as bad as that sounds um like you you kind of knowing <laughs> knowing exactly how much like oh how small the industry is and mm. also how much pretty much everybody within it just loves to chat about everybody else within it like you kind of don't get to be an asshole out on the road or in the studio or whatever and then expect people to not yeah bitch about you like yeah. to, to, to discuss it you yeah. know and it's um <laughs> word travels so fast motherfucker yeah it really like does it, <laughs> it was that was a really uh, a very like valuable uh lesson fortunately as far as I know not what I mean I'm sure there are people that don't like me you know that, yeah, I, know, I can name a few. Of it. But like, I feel like your ability as a player may be the thing that like gets you a gig, but how chill you are on it is how you keep that gig. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, I've I've met loads of musos that you look on their Instagram profile or Facebook and you're like, oh, they'll be great for gigs. You hire them, whatever session gig, and then they arrive and their playing's great. But you know, you you never thought they were going to be that much of an asshole or that you know that kind of like weird like yeah. freaky like they'll hug you or something. I don't know, like you know, <laughs> just something right, strange. Gentle note: never to hug Adam. Right? Yeah, like well, not you know, like you on maybe on the second date, but you know, I don't know. It's it's sometimes you just have weird experiences, but they're they're great players. So um, yeah, it's a it's a strange world because in like a lot of industries you just you just gotta there's no room for being an arsehole there really isn't and and obviously berkeley that's a pretty high up you know school and i can imagine they don't tolerate that sort of shit anyway uh but i'm just yeah it's a good it's a good lesson to go into when you you know when you leave college or university Um, well that was the two like the two things that like when i was like when i was young and reading rhythm magazine and reading interviews and listening to interviews with drummers the two things that came up the most frequently in terms of like what is your advice to like younger players who want to you know like make it in the industry or want to work the two things were like be able to play as many different things well as you can yeah and like be chill mm-hmm. and those were the two um most frequent like points of advice and those are the two like two of the things that i try and uh i try and do as much as possible um, what what is what are your two types of advice for younger players out there or just guys that want to get in into work or you know what what would what would you say the two main things are to keep bread aside, on the table aside from those two things because that that definitely still like yeah being able to play as much shit as possible mm-hmm. whether it you know like across genres across like playing instances like whether you know knowing what your job is in like a wedding band versus 
a prog band versus like a singer songwriter acoustic set in a cafe yeah like being able to execute those functions well and and also like you know being a joy to hang about with um uh That's yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, Univer- the, the universal two rules. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. Be good and don't be a cunt. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put that um, as a slogan at the top for the whole episode. Yeah. Um, don't be a senior. And just like, I guess, open ears, like open ears to whatever. And I guess this marries in with those two things, like open ears to different types of music, but also open ears to to like advice and mm. like things that people say because mm-hmm. there's different types of advice that you can get from uh from loads of so all right this is a good example um harley our front of house guy with king king front of house and tour manager is i fucking love harley essentially what from what i've heard from like phone recordings and stuff of our gigs he gets my drums and the way that i sound out front exactly the way i want to hear myself wow yeah, like yeah, yeah. front of house uh-huh. and that is as a result of like of like the way that i see it is that drum sound is a collaboration between the two of us mm-hmm. it's not just me like tuning and setting up the drums and being like right okay you know let's there you go that's the drums now you know do your thing you know he'll he like when we're sound checking you know he might say like oh that you know that tom's there's a little bit of a like you know, there's a frequency node going on there can sure. do that you can sort that out. And then we'll kind of tweak the stuff together in that way. So then, you know, like obviously the drums sound the way that they do because I am the player that I am and I hit them in the manner that I do. But if anybody after the show comes up and says like, hey man, your drum sounded great this evening, like every single time I will give Harley credit because mm-hmm. he, I would not sound the way that I do if it wasn't for Harley. Was that instantly? Was that like an instant kind of, did you have to work on it with him? Or was he, you know, when you joined, did he instantly just get the vibe? He's, I, it was pretty, pretty instantaneous. Mm. Um, we kind of hit the ground running with that. And I think that is really, I think it's a testament to two things. I mean, firstly, like his, just his knowledge base and his proficiency. And also secondly, having that ear of like, yeah for you know for myself and that flexibility and not you know having like ego get in the way of like no this is the way my drums sound this is the way they must sound like yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. off mm-hmm. like um and you know and if he's saying like you know your snare's sounding a little, like it's tuned a little bit high can you drop it slightly or your snare's a little bit baggy can you bring it up a little bit you know it's that it's that give and take it's that kind of um yeah I, like i say i view the drum sound as a collaboration between the two of us yeah, like, it's definitely a mutual thing. And I think I'm kind of the same. It's, it's very rarely that, you know, you, you get... We've done many tours that you get house guys. And normally, it, the drums are like, yeah, they sound okay. They sound good. But when that one guy gets it right on whatever show, you just remember that show and you remember that guy. And you go, can I have your number? Can I have your card? And you just remember, you just remember it. Um, and we had a guy called Dean out with us for a couple of, I think it was Download Paris and France and stuff. And he just got it. He just got the drum sound straight away. And I and he sent me a front of house mix um, from I think someone filmed it on their phone, put it on YouTube, and I was like, fuck. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy how a front of house guy can 
can just change the whole vibe. If you've got a, like a shit monitor mix, shit front of house mix for the whole gig, like you put up with it, but it just, it really does, like it's a big vibe killer. It's a big like, oh, okay. Well, I don't sound, really, I don't sound that good. As you're saying with like monitor mixes, it's a really nice like. Just confidence. Um, like there's a nice, like it's a nice safety net mm. because I know like if I'm up on stage, if I'm uncomfortable, like if my monitors are like, if it's being weird or my in-ears are being fucking or whatever, like if there's any reason from like a sound point of view that I feel uncomfortable, yeah, um, I know out front it's going to sound fucking great. So cool. as far as I'm concerned, like the audience is going to be happy. Harley's going to be happy. If those guys are happy, then I'm happy. Yeah. And like all I need, and I've got like generally next to my riser, like a couple of feet away from me, I've got Alan's amps. So as you know, I can get through a gig, you know, not like totally happily, but like I'll be comfortable enough to be able to execute a show to the point where the audience won't be able to tell. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. like, so if those guys are happy, then I'm happy, and I will walk out away from the gig being like, well, fuck, I hope that doesn't happen again, but hopefully still played and gave those guys like their money's worth yeah for uh you know for having come through to the to the show definitely so let's talking about kinking let's move on to that when did that whole relationship kind of start and how how did you get the gig how like how did it kind of come about um so i got that gig uh essentially alan hit me up mm. um like a, 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 like last Winter? Yeah. Was it last winter? Was it that soon? Yeah. That, not that long ago. Not last winter. Winter before. It was last winter we were recording the record. Yeah, so like two years ago. Um, yeah, he just seen a video on, I think, Xander, our bassist, um, who's like, he's an old friend of, of Alan's. They've known each other for like longer than I've been alive. Um, maybe about as long as I've been alive. Um, yeah, so they, uh, Xander sent, sent, uh, Alan a video um, I think because they, they needed a, a new guy and um, and Alan you know he checked this 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 video I think it was just like a rehearsal it was GoPro footage of me rehearsing with, with an old band and uh, yeah Alan got in touch and it was like and we organised an audition I learned the stuff um, funny story one of the, I learned one of the wrong songs um, so I had a list oh, of like no. I think four songs but I, because I was learning them off of Spotify, one of their records, some of the track listings were jumbled up. Um, so I learned, uh, it was, I ended up learning the song Crazy, thinking it was the song Stranger to Love. And then it was only on the morning, like I'd rented a car to drive my kit through to go and do this audition. And I, I was checking through some, like, just, I wanted to see how they did it live. So I was looking through. And then when I looked up Stranger to Love, and suddenly it's a totally different song. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, did they do like oh a different God. live arrangement? And I'm like, no, this is straight up a different song. Um, and so like, I texted Alan being like, I think I've learned one of the wrong songs. Fuck, 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 fuck. Um, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. And um, I was really flexible about it, but I like essentially I just put on "Stranger to Love," which actually coincidentally is my favorite one to play live. Um, yeah, I put it on in the car and learned it 
on the drive to the audition. So the first time I Amazing. played that song on a kit was with the guys in the room. Um, and like, you know, there was a little bit, you know, there were one or two like section changes perhaps where I was, you know, needing memory jobs a little bit here and there. But um, yeah, then having spoken with Johnny at a later point, um, he was saying that was one of the things that helped secure the gig for me was the fact that, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the sort of two and a half hours I had between texting Alan and getting into the audition, um, learning that track. Yeah, sort out. Um, helped out. But yeah, so, yeah, went and, and uh, did the audition and then, you know, found back, found out a couple of days later, like Alan gave me a call back and um, it was kind of, green lights from there and then so last year we because we were writing uh the record that's going to come out the, the 27th 27th of this month the 27th of this month november and how, and what and what's the number on the album what what's it called what, what how many tracks are we expecting if you're allowed to say that Is it 10 tracks pretty sure it's 10, 10 tracks. tracks do you have a title for the record maverick maverick yeah so you just so back to King 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 before we I fucked up the technical side. You have a single out now called Dance Together. Yeah. Right. So this is what because I haven't really listened to King King. I'm gonna I'm not I mean I'm just gonna put it out there because I I haven't really like I just never listened to him. So I listened to it over the last couple of days and like when I watch your videos on Instagram, if you guys haven't seen Andrew on Instagram, Facebook with his drum videos and YouTube, because I scrolled through that stuff the other day and there's some golden nuggets on there of drum covers. He is a monster. Like he, you know, technically proficient, you know, you can play fucking anything. Um, and what I'm, what my question is to you, obviously kinking is, I think, very groove based. It's like a groove. It's like, you know, it's that, bluesy groover Steve Jordan kind of bass drumming would you say like it's very yeah, like yeah, song bass song bass kind of drumming now with all like the crazy shit that you put up on Instagram and Facebook like when you joined King King like where was your kind of main influences as a player like what are your main influences as a player um, that kind of because you're a groove player as well like you have an, an amazing pocket but did you have to like retain? Did you have to hold back a bit when you were when you when you when you joined when you joined King King? Um, so well. when, funnily enough, like so when I was when I went to Berkeley, one of the things I had a, I had a teacher. <clears throat> I learned mostly drums anyway from Marco Georgievic and Dave Desenzo. Um Marco is. Like I owe that guy a massive amount in terms of like the player that I am now and like mindset and all the rest of it. Um, but one of the things that we chatted about a lot was like I wanted to learn more about groove and have more intention with groove, whether I'm playing on top of the beat, ahead of the beat, behind the beat. So at the point at which I joined, uh, or at least that Alan approached me, I had kind of been on this like three year like I've been working on other on other stuff as well, um, yeah. like playing lots of notes. But I'd been on this kind of three year thing of like, how do I do more with less? Mm. 
um, which, like, my experience with King King has been absolutely incredible. I mean, learning stuff from Alan the way that... Because Alan is, is a fucking great drummer as well, right. funnily enough. Um, and, like, being exposed to other types of drummers and other drummers... Um, while gigging with with the band um but as i said before like as a drummer being like wanting to be able to play as many different things as i as i possibly can and to be able to and to be able to do them well hmm. um a lot of people take that as like being able to play loads of different types of like noty shit sure i kind of i take the other side like i want to be able to play a shuffle that like Stevie Ray Vaughan would be stoked with, yeah, you know, which is a work in progress. <laughs> um, it is, it is for us as, all, mate. As as well as being able to go and play prog metal shit. Yeah, of course. Um, like one of the, th- I, I I am cracked up at like the kind of one of the the kind of weird dichotomy in the drumming world of like you've either got groove players or you've got like the the chops guys. No, you and don't. there's I just kind of feel like like guys you can do them both yeah, <laughs> like, of it's okay mm-hmm. um and so yeah like uh in terms of like playing for with king king is like like i love that like seeing people like tapping their feet or dancing or kind of like grooving along is just one of the things it just fucking butters my crumpet mm-hmm. like so trying to get like trying to lay that groove down and that solid groove down that that will get alan going that will get alan feeling good so that he can then you know try like that will kind of set the mood and set the stage for alan to be able to deliver and the other guys as well to be able to deliver the best performance that they can is kind of um is kind of it um and there are a couple of points here and there in the set where like we've kind of there are a couple of little bits of like chuck in a little bit of spice here and there usually with some solo stuff mm. like at like the climax of of songs like this where i was saying with strange to love playing that live um like it starts so kind of like it's kind of sultry and sexy and then it, like alan has a big fucking solo that like i'm trying to kind of lift and elevate from underneath sure and then then it just goes fucking bananas and then we bring it back and we kind of focus it back in but like yeah, so as I was saying, so when I joined the band, it was I had been on this kind of this couple of years of of trying to really, uh, really like understand groove better, and like King King has been a such a great extension of that. Yeah, like working with the guys and trying to figure out, you know, even from section to section, like okay, so you know the the verse will be kind of will sit behind the beat, and then the chorus is going to be on top of it, and um, and even with certain certain songs, like within the same bar, like maybe the two will be on the beat, and then the four will be slightly behind. Right. Any click? Kind of any like, click tracks live? Um, yeah, yeah. Just essentially to keep consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mostly just so that at least they start at the right tempo. Yeah, sure. Um, it controls that. Adre- it controls that adrenaline. Yeah, it's a nice kind of um, a good failsafe, I guess. Yeah, sure. That. Safety net. Yeah. And then there'll be there'll be songs that like I start it, 
And it's just it's a Tama rhythm watch um, that I've Hang got on. just set up next to me. Have you got yours right there? Mate, absolute dreamboat of a metronome. It, 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 I think it's because it's the the Boss DB90 is great. Yeah, the Boss DB90. Yeah, boy. Not endorsed by Tama, but well done. You can make really good metronomes. Um, but yeah, the the Boss DB90 is great, but it, I think it's it's a bit big. Big. One of the things I love is how responsive the start yeah. stop button is. Yeah, and it's really fucking loud as well. Like all the other yeah. metronomes I've had are just too quiet. Oh yeah, okay, cool. So it's 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 a weird conversation to have with that because I saw that whole thing with like you can either groove or you just play blast beats all day or like that you know there's no in between. And I think there was a conversation I was listening to and it was like which one do you need more or which one and like blah 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 it's like you know they're two different species of animal like y you should learn one and you should learn the other and you should pull pull them out at different points like if you're playing for an artist and they want you to just to stay back and lay down a groove then great that's what you should be doing but if they want you to go Oh, at the end of this song, just like pull out a couple of chops and just go fucking mental. And if you're that sort of person where you go, I just play groove, man. I play, I don't play fucking chops. You're not, you know, they're just going to be like, oh, okay. Well, then we can't get that like extra mileage kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of like one of the, the, just one of the things I love about like music and drums and, and like learning as well. Like, I never believe or believe that one should never like shame somebody else for the shit that they want to learn. No. Like if somebody wants to hang out and they want to practice like swing playing all day long, like I'm not going to kick down that door and be like, you should learn how to fucking play blast beats as well. You uh -huh. fucking idiot. Um, or like, you know, a guy playing death metal. I'm never going to be like, you should learn how to fucking play a Samba. Um, like you know from my own personal like and it also depends on what your goals are like if sure. you want to play thrash metal probably learning like four limb independence isn't really going to help you very much but you know my own my own personal set of goals to be able to essentially to be able to facilitate whatever somebody whatever it's having yeah it's having whatever, that it's having that scope it's having if that they, if, if if you know if there's like you know a song that is just two and four all the way through like coming home by king king it's just straight yeah. just two and four just it's a groove and it's a vibe like i want to be able to play that as well as you know if there's a song where you know if alan at the end is like yeah we want we want some of the chops here like i don't ever want to have to be like oh i don't know if i can do that like i it's either i cannot do it yet i will work on this <laughs> or yes i can do this fake it till you make it to um, a point yeah and also yeah and as i say just to kind of to learn the shit that you want to learn um and to be kind of i guess cognizant of that like i never i will never ever look down on somebody for not being able to do because nobody can fucking do it all mm -hmm. you know like yeah. you can only play like yourself so uh, yeah I, uh, yeah like the so drummers who sound most like themselves are the ones who whether it's like latin stuff or whether it's like rock stuff or whatever the fuck it is like those are the ones who really i find very interesting i think yeah i think it's it, i think the strength in music and 
finding yourself as a human being, finding yourself as an artist is everything that you go through when you're younger or whatever. And, you know, you always go through those periods of imitating your heroes and then you go through another period of imitating someone else and then you start changing your setup more and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then you finally get to a point where you go, oh, I'm not this person, I'm me. And I sound like this. I know what I sound like. I know what my goals are. I know what I want to practice. Um, and that's where you kind of start to go forward and start, and people start going, oh, it sounds like Andrew Scott on that record or it sounds like whatever. Like, yeah. those are the drummers that I really that I really get into because there's a blueprint and there's like a there's an identity behind the drums you know the drums aren't a vocal instrument but they you know sure as shit if you hear John Bonham on a record or did you, you're gonna know it's John Bonham um yeah and I, th I think a lot of musicians never find that and that's why there's that battle of like I'm either a groover or I'm fucking I'm Chris Adler, it's like, you know, yeah. you, you, be you. Um, no one's gonna, no one's gonna judge you for whatever your goals are. Then just set them and do whatever the fuck. I know what I want to do. You know what you want to do. Find that out first. But I think that's why people on Instagram, on the whole drumming thing on Instagram, get confused and they start doing all this different shit, and because they're trying to find themselves. And once you kind of, I know, I know as a drummer that I'm, ne I'm never gonna be able to play. Six sex tuplet fucking flam flamadiddle six eight grooves. I know I'm not going to be able to do that, and I'm not going to waste my time. Not waste. It's not wasting time, but I'm not going to sit behind the kit and try and do that when I know what my strengths are, and I should be working towards the strengths. And I, I was, I you know, improve your weaknesses, improve your timing, etc. But like, if it's a thing that you're not driven to do, then it is a waste of time. Definitely. Like, I don't think that anything in and of itself is a waste of time learning. But if it's a thing that, like, if it doesn't serve you and the goals that you want to execute or achieve, it, like, there's no fucking point. Because you're not, like, you know, because you're not going to do it to the proper, like, efficiency that or, or the, the, the heart and soul yeah. is if you're, like, really behind it. Like, yeah. if you're, like, yeah, I really want to learn how to do this thing. Um like then, yes. Like even if like you wake up tomorrow and you're suddenly like, I want to learn a bunch of fucking Elvin Jones licks, mm -hmm. then like, fucking yeah, mon then, smash on Adam. You've yeah, learned yeah. that bebop. <laughs> uh, um, you know, until then, like fucking don't bother, because yeah, I, once you set once you set those those levels or those benchmarks, it's like anything that deters you from it you just you know and that's where like if you learn the stuff that you want to learn mm -hmm. certainly for, at least from like like when you're led by that little voice inside you of like isn't that cool wouldn't it be cool if you could do that if you're led by that you like inevitably will learn more interesting things because you will learn the things that are true to you and your yep. own curiosities rather than like if it's being led by like ego or insecurity like i should be able to play faster because i want to play faster than that other guy or like i want to be able to play more notes than this other guy then yeah. like like it's no longer music it's no longer creation it's now ath yeah it's competition yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and it's you know music is never a dick waving contest or 
whatever the it's weird seeing weird seeing all like the best drummer award like you know the best metal drummer the best rock drummer the best fucking it's like who cares yeah. who fucking cares like why why are you putting people on a podium when that everyone on that list is great within themselves like it's it's such a weird concept even that, if they just reworded it to like 10 of the best yeah I, and I, it's it, like pick your favorite out of this lot but here are like your 10 phenomenal players yeah i mean that's what i think a lot of people a lot of artists just don't give a fuck when they get a grammy like i understand obviously that's a bit different because it's an it's an appreciation of the fans and like that kind of like i sold this many records but it's all it's almost like instagram it's like Look at the, look at me. Look look how well I'm doing. Look how amazing my life is. And you know the reality of it is like, well, you know it's it's not adding up to anything that is substantial in your life. So I don't know. It's just I, all the polls and competitions and all that bullshit in the drum, especially with drums as well. Like especially with something as like not simple, but like tribal and as historic as a drum kit it's like why are you putting all of these people in boxes when they could probably play jazz they could probably like play all these other different styles but you're the best you're the best metal drummer in the world (laughs) and then people and then people get this like fucking hard on like yeah you're right i am the best drummer i am the best metal drummer in the world um and it can sometimes just be a big ego ego contest and that's another thing in in the industry i think is as another lesson is like if you throw your ego around in the wrong places people will notice and and people will kind of catch on to it and ego is ego is a good thing in some ways you know you've got to keep you you can't you've got to have you've got to know your words definitely definitely but there, there comes a point um especially lead singers you know fucking tone it down okay (laughs) <laughs> but um anyway so king king single is out album is coming out on the 27th of this month which is the 27th of november so you can get it in time for your christmas stockings um Absolutely. and when are you when, gonna listen to it am i gonna listen to it yeah if you send yeah. me a copy i'll listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> of course i'll listen to it of course i'll listen to it um so that so that is that the first King King single that you've played on is this the like the first is this is this Andrew Scott and King King is this like do you know what I mean is this you well, so we've got there were two other singles that came out uh, at the beginning of the year or earlier in the year um, there was I will not fall and never give in yeah um, which uh, are like between the three of them they're quite like the record is quite a um, a diverse record in terms of like the types of songs that are on there like it spans like a decent like breadth of, of it spans a lot of a lot of ground um it covers a lot of ground there we go hmm. um from like really kind of like almost like southern american like molasses drenched like groove kind hmm. of almost like um uh like Tadeshi Trucks Band type stuff to like some stuff that, that some of the reviews have been saying kind of sounds like earlier Thunder. Yeah. And some like, I guess what's really, what's interesting about it to me is that it sounds 
different from anything that King King has done in the past, but at the same time still sounds very King King. Cool. Um, and like learn and playing drums on this on this record and writing these parts and coming up with these parts and coming up with the music with the guys was such an immense learning experience in terms of just the way that you write and construct the music. Mm-hmm. And the where was the where was the album recorded? Um, it was recorded at Morse Code Studios in Glasgow. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was really, it was, that was the point of like, you know, as I was saying with that groove odyssey that I kind of uh-huh. am, am on. <laughs> um, yeah. That was the point where I could put it under the microscope and see how well I, like the learning that I'd done in those years kind of coming up to this was like right okay this is this is where i i find out essentially because like uh alan and johnny are both they both have such high standards for um i guess for everything like johnny would constantly say not constantly say but like like i'd come through from the live room having tracked having done a couple of takes of a track and like we kind of listen through and there'd be maybe there'd be a fill here or there or something hmm. where johnny would just kind of look at me you have a little like wry smile and you just say execution and the first time i was like what do you mean and he's like execution you know you want to play that fill because you're going to have to listen to that fill forever like for the rest of your life yeah. you want that fill to be the best it can be and i was like right okay got it execution yeah so then that became like the thing that, you know, I'd come through and then he'd be like, it's a great part, the part's there, but execution, which was, you know, his his way of being like, right, okay, that's cool. Now go and play it in a way that isn't going to make you want to rip your fucking eyeballs out. Yeah, that commit, that the, 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 commi- the commitment level has to be there when you're hitting the drums. Um, and uh, so like that whole experience, like I learned a massive amount that just, that hands down, I feel made me a better musician, made me a better drummer. And what I love about it is that so I like I do both the the, the, the shits. There's like the King King stuff, like the groove stuff, and then I, I also do a whole bunch of prog and yeah. metal stuff and like and whatever in between. Um And, and that's I that's, that's King- uh, sorry, that's I built the sky, right? Um so like I built the sky is one of them, like I did I did a tour with, with Ro um at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And I've toured with with and I've played a bunch of records for a bunch of other proggy stuff and I've done some like a proggy kind of doom record earlier in the year Um, loads of loads of shit Um, but I the the things that I learn or the things that I have learned from playing with King King um, beautifully like reflect on like the proggy stuff as well yeah in so far as like you know say if it's like an instrumental record an instrumental part that like okay so here's this guitar melody treating that guitar melody like a vocal melody in terms of like right okay well i'm just i'm going to sit back i'm going to groove this vocal melody's got or this guitar melody's got to shine through and then you know so you can do your crazy prog shit later on Mm -hmm. but like yeah the the way the two kind of shine on each other because you know those, those are the two like um the polar opposite yeah light and shade people's imaginations yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got the you've got blues and then you've got prog mm-hmm. and the fact that i kind of i make my living well-rounded you're a well-rounded musician oh. um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that kind of it 
tickles me pink. I find that really funny. Um, both camps are equally as confused as the other to find that I do the other. Yeah, so right. All the okay. blues guys are like, you play prog as well, and all the yeah, prog guys yeah. are like, you play a blues band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, um, there you go. I think I think I think that's what the one thing that people underestimate that you just have to. Phil Rudd is always going to play ACDC grooves, but if you have a scope and you can go into other worlds, um, I think it's I think it's amazing. It's a hard one for me because I've grown up with rock and roll music my whole life, and my my parents have as well. Um, so it's like I've always just wanted to be a rock drummer. I just wanted to be a fucking great rock drummer. And I've well, you do a fucking a good job. Cheers, mate. I mean, it's all it's all triggers. It's all fake. That's why I got this new mixer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I've I've opened myself up into different worlds over the last couple of years, and playing like some weird ass shit. It's still obviously guitar based, but you know, I've done some soundtrack stuff and I've done like some fucking wedding bands and all that shit. And you just you just take things from each little project that you do and you sprinkle it into another and people and people in that other project recognize that um you know so i think it's even like you know with yourself uh and like kind of constantly expanding like you know you went and picked up a like a double bass drum pedal what like a couple Mm. of months ago Mm -hmm. and started started on that i've given up on that now (laughs) <laughs> it's in the bin. It's in the bucket. <laughs> Chucked on the fire. Um, yeah, and I'm, all, I'm I've always I'm quite stubborn behind the drum kit when it comes to like learning new shit, like learning really new stuff. Um, I'm always like, I don't need to fucking learn that. Nah, nah, nah. Um, but you know, if it's technique based or if it's you know playing a fill, whatever it is, I like challenges anyway, and it's like it's only going to improve my playing if it maybe I don't know, I'm never going to be able to learn traditional grip although I'd love to and be able to get like the back beat like Stuart Copeland does but it's not, it's not going to happen um, but yeah like you said like it's it's cool that people recognise that and people go like oh wait what like but you do this you do this so well how can you do the other thing so well as well yeah. as um, but I think it's a growing industry and you just try as many things as you can because that's the thing if you always stick to one thing and that doesn't work out and you're putting all your eggs in one basket it's like you know what's the point but Mapex drums how long we got How I was I was going to like do like 15 15 more minutes maybe something like that because we, yeah, we started cool. at 4 and we made it's like an hour and a half or something Um, I think yeah we're doing alright yeah all good and we you know, we had our wee introduction, like our little chat at the beginning and then our technical difficulties. So Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Okay. So who are you endorsed by, Andrew? Tell me tell me the facts. I, tell me this gets I'm let's with, get down to brass tacks here. Let's get down to the business. I am with uh Mapex uh code drumheads yeah. and Paisty symbols. And Mapex and Paisty well, I guess Pisces more recent recent than Mapex, but those are the two yeah. newest editions, right? Uh, so Mapex was first, and then came Code. Yeah. Uh, Mapex. Oh like, wow! Martin okay. Got in touch. Right. Martin got in touch like June, July last year. Yeah. And then I was introduced to Mike from Code, 
um, by a friend and then Peisty earlier this year when Martin realised I didn't actually have a simple deal. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I thought, yeah. I always thought you were a Sabian guy, but it's just, you know, that's just, it's because you happen to have a fucking Sabian set. Um, yeah, it was when, it was when I got, there was like, I bought a, a Minel ride. Yeah. Like earlier in the summer. And then when I started putting videos up with that, Martin was like, you've not got a simple deal, have you? Do you like Pasty? <laughs> I was like, oh, You're like who? Who the fuck? Mm. Um, so uh, awesome. so yeah, then that was I got that the, the that first shipment of symbols was like represent me. I should really have the camera yeah, higher up, since. but <laughs> I do not have. Oh no. oh, a bit of nip slip. Oh, wait. It's in a box. Fuck it. Nah, nah, yeah, that's all I wear at the moment. Is just like just drum fucking swag. drum drum swag. Um, awesome. So what? Seeing as this is mainly drummers that listen to this, what is your current Pisces setup at the moment? You've got a lot of fucking symbols, but that's just compared to me because I just have like fucking three or something. Um, um, so I, you know, as we have discussed, I like to play a lot of different shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I get work doing a bunch of different shit. Um, so I need a bunch of different shit lying around. At the moment, the symbol setup is fairly fucking large. Um, there's what 14, 602 modern essential hats. I've got like an 18 masters dark crash, a 20 inch 602 crash, yeah, nice. 24 inch big beat. Oh yeah. Uh, which oh God, recent. I that's a re- that that's a recent addition, so isn't much. it? So I think it's just beautiful. What? Why did you? go towards the bigger sizes and why is your ride so fucking high all the time? <laughs> um, I think I know why. I'll, I'll tell you the other symbols. So then there's, I've got a pair of 15 inch uh, dark hats, Masters dark hats, yeah. that sometimes I'll have a stack there instead, which will be like an 18 inch PSTX, like Swiss crash. Yeah, nice. With with the 18 Masters crash over here. Mm-hmm. Then there's a 20 uh, Masters Dark Crash, then the 22 Formula 602 China, Very nice. which I also fucking love, and a 19 2002 Thin Crash mm. for that brightness mm. out on the out on the edge. Um, colorful, so a I colorful like, selection. Sorry, a colorful selection there. Yeah. Oh mm. fuck! And then there are the splashes. So then there's uh, like an eight. Two eights. There's a, a a dark splash, the 2002 splash, the 10 signature reflector splash. Yeah. And I've got the 10 PSTX Swiss hats as like a little little stack just underneath the hats. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Um, I went with the bigger stuff. I first started getting into the bigger stuff when I was like 16, 17, and hearing uh, Ronnie Ronnie Venucci mm-hmm. on Hot Fuss by the Killers. Mm-hmm. And like kind of looking into his symbols, and I think at that point he there it must have been like a pair of sixteen-inch hats, and like big crashes, big yeah, he ride, plays b- big drums as well. Um, yeah, and I just I fell in love with that sound, um, and it wasn't until um, just a couple of years ago that I started actually buying like the bigger symbols and like big like quite thin symbols, um, just because like they whisper really beautifully. Like a big symbol played softly, is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. 
Um, and obviously it depends on the musical situation. Like I'm not going to get the 24 inch ride out for like an I Built the Sky set. But for, you know, for King King and for, for a lot of the stuff that I do, like that kind of, uh, actually the way that the way that I hear symbols, like a lot of marketing will go out to like, um, like get your symbols to like cut through the mix and like cut through this and cut through that. Like, I kind of don't like my symbols to cut through. Like some of them I do, like I like splashes to cut through. Um, but ultimately I kind of see them as like the gravy almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that kind of helps fill out a lot of the, like that just kind of glues a lot of other stuff together and yeah. kind of fills in those cracks. Um, and really like soaks into your mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Um, so like the, my symbol choices kind of speak to that, that I want them, like, I don't want to, I don't want my symbols to interrupt a vocal line. I don't yeah. want, you know, to get in the way. I kind of want them to like, to wash and to, and one of the things that I do love doing is, you know, having that kind of ability to I'm playing my kit imaginarily um, yeah, yeah, yeah. is to be able to wash between the different, the different sounds and to, and to create these kind of. Um, these like very kind of smooth Ocean- oceanic system. yeah yes that's a fucking banger of a mm, word for it oceanic oceanic but, you just want to fill that space but you don't want it to be like I don't want to obstruct a bunch of shit mm-hmm. um, so and yeah as I said like it depends on it depends on the project um, the I've got a 22 inch bluebell ride like the Stuart Copeland signature nice for like for kind of like metal stuff um it's nice and dry the blue thing whatever the geniuses at peisty do to make it blue also kind of dries it up slightly so it kind of it pings and it gets out of the way yeah um i've got my eye on a couple of other i've got a 22 inch signature light ride which i've been using as a crash Mm. which is i do love it but i noticed i started uh denting the edge so I'm gonna have to get in a couple of large crashes. Um, yeah. But uh. Awesome, man. Um. But uh, and that fucking the twenty-two, the two thousand and two, black, the big B. Yeah. Was, I mean, I've been pestering you about your two thousand two, your twenty-four. Yeah, she's um, over I wasn't there. quite. I wasn't quite brave enough to go for the full, the the red two thousand and twos. Um, but uh. I was quite enamored with your ride. I had I had um, a whole... Back in 2017, I had a whole set of the big beats. I had 21, 22, 24, 16 or 15 hats. And I used nice. them I used them for fucking ages. I thought they were a great combination between the 2002 brightness and the kind of dark, washy... Because with these... Once you hit them, it's like in out, and then that's it. You know, it's just nice and bright, nice, good, big rock symbols. But the big beats were kind of like in between, which I liked. On on the live setting, I would always have to take my symbols down, and I was like, I have all these fucking great sounding symbols. Why am I taping them down at venues? Like, I'm just going to find the, the perfect balance. And I used them for a while, and I don't, I think it got to a point where I just switched 2002s because. I went down a couple of sizes. I think I've got I got 19 here. I've got 20 over there and then a 24 ride and then uh, 15 heavy hats here. But 
the problem with the big beats were they're too thin, basically. So I was like warping cymbals, basically. Like they were, yeah, it wasn't fun. Um, so Pisces cymbals. Pisces cymbals. Yeah. Great. Um, awesome, man. So what are your plans for, obviously I know COVID, we don't even know what we're doing for Christmas yet, let alone the ne next year, but has King King got anything in the books? Have you got anything in the books? What, you know, what's going on in the next part of your life? Um, <laughs> just, I'm kind of just continuing the quest of sanity. Trying to not go, trying to not go crazy. Yeah. Um, we do have like a gig booked in Skegness on like the 15th of January. Amazing. It's apparently like, I think we're doing two like shows um, on like consecutive days. Where's that? As in, like, I've, what no venue? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Skegness, kind of amazing. Treating it, treating it with a certain amount of, like, disbelief. Like, I'll believe it when I'm standing on the stage about Sound check. to play yeah. the start of the first song. Yeah, sure. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, there's that. And then, uh, like, COVID allowing, hopefully, touring next year. Sure. Um, album, album tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wicked. That'll be... It'll be good to like. It'll be good to get out and play these songs. Yeah, man. Live because they're they're so good on the fucking record, and then or at least as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm so incredibly proud of these songs. Awesome. Um, to play them on a stage is going to be um, it's going to be great. And until then, yeah, like I say, just kind of, I've got a bunch of videos for Mapex on the go at the moment. Mapex and Peisty. Yeah. Um, like you, I've got a bunch of snares. Have you still got those snares? No, I don't. I don't have them. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do. So I do. Got, I do. I have. I have. at the back. But yeah, well, I guess we're both doing video snare videos for. But we have. The cool thing is that we all have. Di we have different snares, so yeah. we're not doing the same fucking video. Um, These are the boxes actually that Martin gave me to oh, yeah. post the snares back with. I don't have. I don't think I have. Oh no. So he he li he lives like. 20 minutes from me so I went around I literally went around his house and he just gave them to me in the boot of his car so I don't think I have boxes but yeah I have what do I have I have the the, the I, Cyrus yep yeah, got the Cyrus which is seamed steel I have the Persuader the which you have yes I have the Heritage which is walnut maple in one uh, that's beautiful that's fucking great that's now I never thought that I would because I've always been looking for like a really nice like I wanted to try out the Shadow because it's, I think it's birch. Uh, but yeah, walnut maple, beautiful. Uh, and then I have the wasp, which is like a little auxiliary snare which you can mount on the side, kind of like this timbali thing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I have my solidus, which I bought, obviously, uh, which is still my go-to, uh, which is 14 by seven, 11 ply maple, which is great. But yeah, so I guess we're, we're doing the same sort of video. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. The, the atomizer. Mm. Which is oh, the aluminium. One. I want that. I've I've got the shadow, which yeah. is I want that's it. your boy. Yeah. I've got the metallion. Oh, which, cool. Brass. Don't tell Don't tell Martin, but I don't want to send that one back to him. And that's not going back. I've got the hydro, which is the thirteen by seven. Oh yeah, cool. 
the bl- black. So face. the fucking all right. So there's like the fat bob, which was like the old solidus, like yeah. fourteen by seven maple. I don't. So the hydro is thirteen by seven maple. I don't know why they didn't call it the slim bob. Slim bob. I'm diet, fucked up diet, about this. Diet bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think I think with Mapex, they obviously they changed certain things to the drums, but the same with the wasp. I can't remember the one before it. And it was kind of the same deal, um, but they kind of they reinvent them every year. But I don't know; it's a weird one because for all of my life, I've had one snare drum. I've had my Ludwig Superphonic. I've literally used that like my whole life. Um, so when you get like a collection of snare drums, you're like, I don't, I don't want to depart with any of them because th- th- like each one does a different job. And I mean, yeah, I've, I've I used, can... I've used, I've used the Solidus the most, but like the persuader they all sound so different which is what i love about mapex even their drum kits like every single one every single range sounds completely fucking different um in the best way you know um so what we'll we'll finish up in a bit but the last last couple of questions what kit are you playing mapex wise at the moment like what what model what brand of mapex Saturn four and five, pretty much. Four and Saturn. five. Um, so I've got like a, I can't remember the name of it, like the black and red Saturn four. Yeah, okay. That used to be my old King King kit, which is now retired to the studio. Right. But now because touring isn't a thing, I have brought my entire King King rig back to the studio, which is a Saturn five tour edition. Nice in like the white marine pearl finish. yeah i've got i've got the fu- the five in black pearl so you'll notice in a lot of my recent videos i'm using so my king king setup is uh a snare of some sort um 10 12 14 16 18 and a 24 kick yeah and in order to get those sizes i ordered two different kits okay so one was uh 20 10 12 14 nice and the other was 24 13 16 18 hmm. so that left me with so i've got like a, now in the studio i've got yeah a 22 10 12 16 in the saturn 4 and the saturn 5 i've got 20 24 10, yeah 12, see 14, i saw 16, that 18. i saw that video with the fucking three four floor toms or whatever it was and that was that was oh, like on a so king much. that was on a king king session as well wasn't that that you weren't fucking yeah. around you're actually using it yeah, yeah, I dig that. That's my that's my live rig. Alan told me like you gotta gotta get, like, have a kit that will fill a stage. It'll look good on a big that, stage. That's, like, All yeah, right. Okay. Say no more. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the opposite of what I expect anyone to say apart from a drummer. But I, well, I guess he is a drummer. But yeah, okay, yeah fair enough. Fuck. Um, you need to get more. So, so at the moment I've got uh, yeah I'm just playing 10, 12, 16, 18. So they're all they're the white toms, and then my kick is the twenty-two from the Saturn Four. Okay. So that's like red and black, and then mm. the snare is changing about between. Uh, what are you going to use, mate? Most... What, what are you going to use live now? One snare, one Mapex snare. What are you going to use on the King King tour next year? COVID Actually, thing. I'm going to bring I'm going to bring a couple to rehearsals, and I'm going to figure this out with Harley because Harley Harley will know. But the ones that I will bring to the rehearsals, I think the Atomizer mm. is a very fucking good because it's really like it's dark mm. like it's it's a warm snare so it's kind of got that like 
the, the dryness that you get from a lot of wood snares, but it's still got that pop, which is funny to hear that pop, but like dark, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, that I think the heritage actually, I might, I might try and get one of them. Yeah. Also the fucking Craig Blundell, the oh, machine, the machine. Mm. Oh, What's that? That's walnut maple as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I might try the persuader, but the persuader might be a little bit too like. But depending on the head, actually, if I change the head, I might be able to get a little bit more kind of like it's a really dynamic drum, but it's a bit it's it's a bit. I think it might be a little bit shotgunny for sure. Like King King's kind of softer side, so sure. I need something that will kind of that I can play. Uh, you know, like a song like Coming Home that is just a groover and then i need a song and a snare that will also suit like um stuff off of exile and grace which was a lot more kind of like rock yeah man um but the drum i used before was a birch bubinga it was a tama snare yeah before um before becoming a mapex um boy yeah um and that guy did really well actually Babing, um, ooh, or the Cyrus, actually. I think the Cyrus could be a really good shout. The Steel guys, 14 by 6 or 6.5? Yeah, I think it's 6.5, yeah. Um, I think that could be a really good shout. Um, so you asked for one snare. One snare. That's, Fuck's sake. Man. I think if, if I was going to bet on one, I'd probably just I'd probably go with the Cyrus, actually. Okay, cool. I do like a good steel snare. Yeah, I, need to, I need to try out the Atomizer. I'm a big, I'm a big aluminium fan. Maybe instead of sending them back to yeah, your no, house, swap. So just send them to your If house. Martin's watching this, we'll just swap. It's fine. That's yeah. I'll be totally happy if you want to send me uh, send me your four. Okay. I'll send you my four. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Um, I mean, that kind of podcast. Yeah. All Doing right. <laughs> On that note, so before we finish, if you have any social links, shout outs. Mum and dad, whatever you want, then please. Obviously, King King's new single is out now. Um, but any anything you want to plug, go. Uh, when is this podcast coming out? Actually, I will be releasing this episode in like a week or so. So. Okay, sick. Um, yeah, just fucking check out the new the King King record. Man. Is it? It's on pre. It's on pre-order, right? You guys can yeah. pre-order it. Okay, cool. You can pre-order it. Also. If you want to see this big fucking drum kit I was chatting about, uh, we do have a live session available to to, to purchase and download. Um, all the links for the all of the links for this shit I'll put in the description, folks. So don't worry. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Instagram, that's... Facebook, Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. It's just no. I I've not got the. Is it? Is oh, I don't like it. I mean, I'm starting to not to like Facebook either because it's just. I don't know. Although, actually, right, okay, so I watched. Uh, fuck, what's it called? The Social Dilemma, where it's. Oh yeah, Netflix one. Algorithm. Yeah. I watched that, and then I started teaching Facebook only to show me memes. Interesting. By like, immediately scrolling past anything that looks in any way, shape, or form political, and engaging heavily with meme-based Let me stuff. <laughs> And suddenly it starts to shit like it's just me. Wow. Okay. So my Instagram stories, like I like, have been very meme based. They have. This is the direct result of teaching the algorithm <laughs> to show me. That's memes. good to know. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, it's like yeah, Instagram, Leviathan Owl, mm-hmm. all one word. Um, Some epic vids on there. Come, come see me post shit post and uh, <laughs> dog content and drum content, and every once in a while I'll play a guitar. Yeah, nice man. Wicked. That guitar. That guitar right there, or the banjo, or whatever's down there. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for jumping on it and being one of the first that I'm going to interview as well. So this who is. Else set- you, who else are you interviewing? This is set in the bar. Got? Well, I have Nico McBride from uh, Iron Maiden. No, so I have. <laughs> no, I, I'm just. I'm gonna. I've got some uh, other musicians and other creatives that I didn't want to just like keep this to drummers and musicians. I wanted to in- interview creative people and kind of find out almost that sanity thing of what is everyone kind of doing, what's how is everyone coping, um, and yeah, just spreading spreading some positivity really. Talking, talking, talking smack. Yeah, man. Well, hopefully we can uh, see each other in real life one day at a drum show or whatever, Mapex, Peisty, whatever comes up. I'll see you there. I thoroughly look forward to it. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. We'll see. We'll see. Who fucking knows? Definitely not us. We don't fucking know. We'll know. We'll know. La- <laughs> we'll know last. Um, cool, Andrew Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for spending some time and talking. Um, on that note, thank you for tuning in, everyone. This will be available on YouTube for your visuals, so you can see all of this. <laughs> and on Spotify, iTunes, all that goodness, so you can hear uh, both our lovely voices. Thank you for tuning in to the Breeze Lair podcast. See you in the next episode. Thank you, Andrew Scott. See you soon. Uh, Take care, guys. Wash your hands. Wash your face. Keep clean. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Wear a fucking mask. Properly. Don't just put it over your fucking mouth. Put it over your nose as well. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we'll see all of you soon. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye. So there you have it, guys. Mr. Andrew Scott, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining in for this little interview. There will be loads, loads more coming your way very soon on the Breeze Lair podcast. It was great chatting to him. He's an awesome guy. Please, please, please go and check him out on all of the social media stuff on Instagram, Facebook. It's Leviathan, Owl, King King, and I Built the Sky. Go and check it out. He's awesome. Until then, I've been Adam Breeze. Thank you very much for watching or listening, whatever you're doing, and I'll see you next time on the Breeze Lair podcast. Take care. Cheers, guys.